This is Sam. This is Paul. And this is Southpaw. So November 24th, Chuck Liddell fought Tito Ortiz for the third time. And we're a little late with our analysis. And we were even debating, should we talk about this? But, you know, it's a nostalgia fight. It's a legacy fight. And also because of how it went down and how bad Chuck looked. And also all the press really after the fact, because of how bad Chuck looked, we have to talk about it. It really hurts me to say this as a big Chuck Liddell fan, as a big Tito fan, but you get a sense of when fighters retire. It's like, what do they do in their off time? Do they still train? Do they keep up? And at least we got an answer with Chuck. Oh, no, he hasn't been training. Everything looks stiff, robotic. And like you mentioned, he was telling his body to do something and it wouldn't do it. Or he did it, and the same force and power and snap wasn't there. And you could tell within two minutes when Tito realized, oh, these don't hurt. He just walked right through. Yeah. Even in the weigh-ins and the face-off, if you compare the previous two times they fought, Chuck and Tito were about the same height. But now, Tito was a few inches taller than him. Yeah, you know, who knows? Maybe Chuck cut height for this fight (laughs) along with his weight. Who knows? No. So one of the things that happens with age is, well, he's not old enough to just deteriorate that much because of age-related height loss through, you know, your bones just getting more weak and just shriveling up. But it made me wonder, did he have like back surgeries or other surgeries we don't know about? Because if you have disc replacements or other back stuff happening, then you do lose height. So I wonder if, you know, he had age-related issues like back problems or where he had to get surgery and we don't know about it because unlike Tito, he doesn't like telling the world about his health issues, but he did look smaller. Like you look at old pictures of Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone or Hulk Hogan or even people who met them. They're like, oh, I thought that guy would be a lot bigger. But people who met them like way back in their prime, they're like, oh, he was huge. Well, those are all people who had a lot of injuries. And when you get those enough back surgeries and whatever, you do lose height and vertebrae. What if it was the other way around? Because I remember Joe Rogan mentioned that Eddie Bravo recently had back surgery and now he's taller. Tito had all those back surgeries. Maybe he (laughs) got taller. Well, they have that spinal decompression stuff too. It actually depends on what kind of procedure you had. If they added discs, like fake discs in, you could be taller. If they fuse stuff together or whatever they did, or you got the surgeries a long time ago, you tended to get smaller. But they do have stuff now where they put in fake discs that decompress and expand. And yeah, you could gain height that way. (laughs) So maybe then Chuck was the same height, but Tito, I think he did get fake discs. Maybe that made him taller. Yeah, there you go. It's not Chuck that got worse. It's Tito who got upgraded bionically. But one of the other things I noticed this time around that I never noticed the first couple times was that 
Chuck does in fact have a considerable reach advantage over Tito, which I always assumed because of the way Chuck looked. But this time around, like, yeah, it was clear because they had the, you know, they put in the the reach for both fighters and Chuck had several inches over Tito. And I think before John Jones, Chuck might've been the longest reach in the light heavyweight division, which made him so devastating. I also think it doesn't help that Chuck's style, while effective, never really evolved. He never put in other tools in his arsenal that made you worry about fights. His last fight in the UFC, when he fought Rich Franklin, he did a good job of mixing things up. He took Franklin down, and he always made you wary of different threats. But it's almost like in this fight, he just went back to what he knew. He even put on the old Chuck Liddell shorts to a website that doesn't go anywhere. So that just kind of shows you where his head was at. Yeah, I tried to go to that website too. And I thought, is it just down for me? Like, what is going no, on? it's down. <laughs> so there's been enough talk about how bad Chuck looked. I think we should focus on Tito's improvements because that's only half the story. I think because of Chuck, we're not giving Tito enough credit. And he did look a lot better than he did in the past. I think Tito has slowly been consistently improving over the years. When you look at his start with Colin Oyama, which I believe was his striking coach at one point, and then his current work with Jason Perillo, who's done a good job with BJ Penn, Chris Cyborg, and the aforementioned Tito Ortiz, not to mention Michael Bisping, He does a good job of bringing boxing range punches and movement that previously was lacking in a lot of fighters. So you can't really dismiss it just purely as, oh, Chuck got old. It's like, well, Tito looked good and his hands haven't looked bad. And if you look at other fighters that Perillo has worked with, there's proof of that. It's just unfortunate that Chuck looked so bad that we didn't notice how good Tito did look because... Tito actually was one of the first fighters that I remember from watching UFC that used feints. And even today, not enough fighters use feints and use feints well. But early on, he was one of the first fighters to realize, hey, feints are important. He used to use the classic foot stomp. He would stomp the ground like he was going to come in for a shot or take a step forward. It was primitive, but he realized then that, hey, I need to get them to bite on something that isn't there. And this was in the early days where everybody was just throwing ones and twos and not really blocking. It was very primitive striking. And he himself was never a good striker, but he understood the importance of feints. Fast forward to today, Perillo now got him using boxing feints. And that was one of the keys to him beating Chuck so well this time. But also in some of his previous work in Bellator and towards his end run in the UFC, Perillo was getting Tito to use feints mixed with boxing. And it was something that he wasn't doing before with Colin Oyama because before he just used the, you know, combing the hair defense. And that was classic Colin Oyama style of striking, which is combing the hair, which Rampage, when he was under Colin Oyama, did as well. And so Tito was kind of like this timid Justin Gaethje style fighter where he wasn't a good counter-striker, but he wasn't very good at leading also because he didn't know how to slip. Tito never marched forward. Because he was an aggressive fighter, 
who couldn't lead and be aggressive striking, that was always a heel in Tito's side. To your point, when you mentioned even in his losses, he still looked good. One of the most memorable fights I think he had was a victory against Ryan Bader when he faked the move and he threw that shovel hook that caught Bader clean and allowed him to get the submission. So it's one of those things where people kind of forget because shortly after Bader, he won a couple, then he lost to Rumble, and then he is now the current Bellator king. But Tito has done some good stuff and it gets kind of swept under the rug. Now, the rumor is Golden Boy MMA has reached out to Dan Henderson to see if Henderson versus Tito would be a good fight. But Henderson still has that traditional old school style of striking where he has the H-bomb and the left hook. So it might not be a good litmus test to see how good Tito's striking is. But what I would like to see, and it never happened, is Tito versus Rampage. Because then you get to see Rampage, who still has good boxing movement and fights primarily from that striker stance. How would Tito do against that? I think awful. Rampage has historically never been in cardio shape. He doesn't work out like Tito. But Rampage still has his chin, still has power and all these things. He just needs to work out and he'll get it back. Whereas with Chuck, doesn't matter how much he works out, he's not going to get that back. And I think a lot of the commentators and analysts are kind of doing these bit of nostalgia glasses where they're remembering Chuck way better than he used to be. Meaning he was good. He was at the time the best light heavyweight fighter, but he was never a great defensive fighter. He always relied on his chin to carry him through. But without that same chin, even back then, he wasn't going to have the same results that he did have. So now without a good chin, you think about his fight IQ and he didn't change that much. I thought he was going to come in with a different stance or make adjustments for the lack of the chin and he didn't. And even in his later fights like Rich Franklin or Vanderlei, he added some tricks like he added wrestling back. But I think overall, his striking style, once he really cemented a strong style for the era, it stopped changing. I feel like it's Ronda Rousey where he found a really dominant style for the time and then he doubled down on it. And when MMA evolved past him, he didn't want to change or he couldn't change. I'm not sure what it is. Whereas Tito kept changing. It's just that Tito's not the best at making quick improvements, but he's getting there. But Chuck came out classic stance, hands low, inviting the lead to counter. Because Chuck was always a counterfighter. Even if he led, he would just lead enough where he would be closing the distance, but never within striking range. He would just come towards you a little bit and then wait for you to come towards him and then he would counter-strike. But that's only when he had to. Otherwise, he backed up and hoped you would chase him and then he would start firing. And that's what made his punches so devastating is because it's you coming forward plus his fist coming towards your face. And that's how he started this fight. And I was like, oh shit, he hasn't made any improvements. Why is his hand so low when you know, Chuck, that your chin isn't there? 
why aren't you slipping, moving your head? He kept the same style, even though he knew he physically couldn't fight in the same style anymore. So I think he was never a fight IQ fighter. He just had a lot of great attributes. It's interesting when you mention he never changed his striking style because a guy from Chuck's era that I saw before my eyes change for the better and sometimes later on to his detriment was BJ Penn. When he fought Matt Hughes the first time around in 2004, he had that hunched over stance and you knew that his money punch was that left hook that he came from the orthodox. Later on, when he fought during his lightweight run, the Kenny Florians, the Diego Sanchez, he had a much more bladed stance and he threw that piston-like jab and he fucked everybody up with it. And you could tell the work he's done with this boxing coach paid off. But I don't know if it's because Hackleman never did any improvements or if Chuck isn't the kind of guy that incrementally changes over time. But he never got better in that department. Yeah. It's not just that Chuck aged, his style aged. It's a very old school style of not the early, early days of MMA, but the Tito Chuck era style. And it could work then. But if Chuck was in his prime and using that same style and he was fighting Daniel Cormier to Rumble Johnson to John Jones, I think he would get fucked up because MMA has changed. The closest person I saw lately that fought, not obviously carbon copy of, but similar to Chuck was Joanna Yonjechik, where she would keep her hands low. She obviously threw more combinations and was faster and threw more feints. But you could always tell she was ready to counter you. And if enough people threw feints and you bought into it, you're going to get caught and Rose did that. And the problem was because her hands were low to fight off the sprawl, she couldn't recover in time. And we saw the limitations with Chuck and then we saw it with Joanna. Yeah, the best way to fight a counter striker like that is with better boxing. And that's what Rose did. And that's what Tito did. And I was actually impressed how Tito was fighting in multiple layers. Before, he just came out timidly, like I said, combing the hair and walking a little bit forward, but not as aggressively as Justin Gaethje, just close enough. And then he would just kind of throw an overhand or some throwaway strike and just die for a takedown. He became really aggressive once the takedown happened. But on the feet, he wasn't nearly the same aggressive fighter as he is when he has you down. Whereas in this fight, he was leading and making Chuck bite on feints. He kept feigning Chuck and making Chuck throw first. And then as soon as Chuck threw, Tito countered his counter. He was fighting a lot like like a Max Holloway who does that, where he counters the counter. He leads, makes the counter striker throw, and then he counters off of that. So Tito fainted, made Chuck throw, Tito slipped, and then countered. And he kept tagging Chuck over and over with that same game plan. And that's something Tito couldn't do before. Tito couldn't slip before. And that was a problem he had because he didn't have good slipping and he just used that cover. You can't cover up and punch at the same time unless you're going to be like Justin Gaethje willing to eat punches to throw. But Tito didn't want to do that. So he would take turns where he was either blocking or punching, but he couldn't do both seamlessly. 
Whereas now Perillo has him slipping so he could slip and punch. And that was a wrinkle this time that Chuck wasn't used to. Chuck had a lot of problems, but I think even Chuck, even if his chin wasn't gone, would have had a problem dealing with this version of Tito. Yeah, credit to Tito for, at the very least, not just staying in the game, but finding different ways to stay relevant. And it looks like whether he fights Stan Henderson or not, he wants to go a different route, maybe co-promoting with Golden Boy. I've kept Googling pay-per-view buys and they haven't released anything yet. Yeah, these are just preliminary estimates by, I think, Brett Okamoto over at ESPN. And was it Dave Metzler? Dave Meltzer. Dave Meltzer. He said it was like, I heard 25. And Brett said, I heard 30. Either way, those aren't good numbers. It's not like you're debating between, I thought it was 1.4 million. I heard it was 1.2. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they continue this. But what it did also show me is that, yeah, definitely Chuck should retire. But maybe Tito still has some life left in him. Because of the way he looked, albeit against Chuck, but I think you could give him some classic matchups. Like a Dan Henderson would make sense. Like MMA Masters division for older guys. Like people that you always wish Tito had fought and he never did. I think he could still hang with those guys. Maybe a rematch with Vanderlei. That might be interesting. Yeah. But even though he was better and stylistically can beat this version of Chuck, I think it took Tito a while to figure that out because I was telling you, Chuck always had that mental edge over Tito because of the two previous knockouts and because of their sparring sessions in the past. There was a moment in the fight where Chuck did throw that overhand and Tito ate it and it just kind of knocked Tito off balance instead of knocking him out. And I think that's the point where Tito realized, oh shit. I can take this punch. It's not the same punch. And that's when he was less afraid of getting hit by Chuck and started leading more and coming forward and willing to engage in that countering the counter fight. Because Tito has always been a fighter who's looked like he was afraid to get hit. And against Chuck, it looked like, well, even if I slip the wrong way and get hit, I think I'm going to be okay. I'm going to knock this guy out. And that's when Tito started taunting him. Yeah, it's one of those things where once you're convinced that the danger is no longer there, you're going to go ham. He's not like a Derek Lewis when he's dangerous every second. Don't let your guard down. It's, oh, that's it? That's all you got? What was I so scared of? It's like when you're a kid, you're scared of your dad because he beat you or he physically intimidated you. But then when you get older, you're like, I was scared of you? Like, nah, this is not the case. I'm just going to rock through this or I'm just going to leave the house. So you're saying Tito is the kid and Chuck was the dad? Or maybe Big Brother. It's one of those things where over time, Big Brother always had that edge on you because he was bigger. But when you're both grown and if you've had more time to get better and he's just gotten older, yeah, you're going to win. Here's something that is age-related. Strength doesn't necessarily disappear with age as quickly. Now, speed does. We all know that. But you can account for speed, even if you lose speed. Like somebody like Randy Couture, he never had a game plan and a style that required too much speed. Actually, Chuck wasn't somebody who needed that much speed either. He was a very patient fighter, and he picked his shots. Maybe him punching slower is an issue, but still, speed wasn't the issue. The thing about Chuck that made him so good was his stance and his balance. 
So when he shot in or when he took a punch, he was never off balance. So he didn't get knocked down. Whereas in this fight, he was constantly off balance, even just on his own, even him just doing footwork. (laughs) And he was constantly off balance. And that is something age related where your nervous system just starts diminishing. When old people complain, they don't complain about their lack of strength or their speed. They talk about their loss of balance. It's that nervous system connection. And that's the thing that really hurts you the most. And that's what I saw the most with Chuck is he didn't have the same nervous system response anymore. He didn't have the same balance as he used to have before. And that could have been also sped up because of the amount of strikes he took. But also your nervous system needs constant training. And if you didn't train that hard during that whole time off, he loses a lot of that athletic nervous system. Yeah, because... Chuck was more or less taken care of by the UFC. They essentially paid him money to do nothing. So it's like UBI on steroids. He just got a title and he was able to live his life. When the new owners took over and those checks stopped coming in, he said, well, okay, I got to do something. I don't know Chuck's financial situation. Everyone says he's taken care of, but it could be one of those things where he just wanted one more payday. Tito runs his mouth. And he thinks, I've been this twice already. I might as well just shut him up for good. It just didn't pan out. Chuck and Tito, if they were brothers, and let's say they were just a year or two apart, they were going to be brothers where eventually Tito would start beating Chuck. And then from then on, always beat him. Because Chuck had the physical attributes and was the better fighter. But Tito always had the work ethic. And that's the reason why Chuck didn't stay in shape. Whereas Tito doesn't matter if he has a fight coming up or not, or if he's retired or not. He'll always train. He has that work ethic. And somebody with work ethic over somebody with natural ability who doesn't have the same work ethic, that person with work ethic will eventually catch up and beat that person and then keep beating them. I see this all the time in combat sports where even if you're not competing as a pro, let's say you're a kickboxer or you're a jiu-jitsu guy, and you have a friend who in the early years always used to kick your ass, but you're much more dedicated than this kid. So you train all the time, whereas the other guy is more sporadic. But because you're more dedicated, eventually you'll start beating your friend. And then from that point on, you'll always beat your friend. And that's what Chuck was like. He's that guy who just shows up and trains every once in a while because he used to be so good. Then, of course, eventually, that guy who's dedicated all the time is going to start beating you and continue to beat you. It sucks, and it sounds like I'm shitting on BJ Penn, but you saw with him and Frankie Edgar. The first fight was very close. Second fight, not close at all. And the third, BJ was stopped. And you saw that progression of a guy who was supremely talented. And you could tell if he just married that workhorse ethic with his natural skills, he might still be undefeated. But Frankie, who has self-admitted never been the most talented guy in the room, but the hardest worker, like you said, is able to overcome any technical or physical deficiencies just by consistency alone. Tito and Frankie are super workhorses, but BJ and Chuck were known as below average workers. They were really known even in their prime as people who didn't like training. They liked fighting, but they didn't like training and they partied. And that was a problem that Dana had mentioned. Tito had mentioned about Chuck, about how he would show up with a gut 
or just partying the night before. There's a classic video of Chuck where it was so obvious that Chuck was still hungover and drunk doing an interview. And that was never Tito. Tito might have partied, but he was an extreme workhorse. Same thing with Frankie. I'm sure Frankie likes a good time, but that's the difference. You have a guy who's at the peak of hard work, and then you have a guy who's not even average, but below average hard work with a lot of natural talent. Then, of course, eventually one side is going to keep winning and do a lot better. And like you said, you saw that progression with three fights with BJ Penn and Frankie Edgar. I guess there's something to be said about the old training mantra of what coaches tell you. Hard work pays off. Consistency is key. Rome wasn't built in a night. They're all repeated for the same reason because it's true. I wonder if in the training camp, if there was any talk with Antonio McKee, like, hey, Chuck, maybe you should come out hands up because we know you can still hit hard, but we need to get you to be more defensive. But I saw no defensive improvements. Did you? Maybe it's one of those things where he's, it's so ingrained in him that you could train all you want, but the moment you get in there, you just revert to what you know. I remember, at least in the Ultimate Fighter house, Andy Wayne was known as the Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt, and he was supposed to take Brandon down and try to beat him on the ground. But once he got hit with that first time, he just stood up the rest of the fight. It could be with Chuck where, ah, don't worry about it. I got it. I've done this twice already. And in countless training sessions, I got this. And then Antonio's like, but Chuck, I've seen you now. It's not going to work. And he's like, I got this. Don't worry about it. Yeah, stand and wing, they used to call it. (laughs) I heard an interview with John Hackleman recently, and even him, even he was saying Chuck should stop. But nobody's talking about Chuck making any defensive improvements. And that's the thing that people who highlight his glory days, they don't mention that he was never a defensive fighter. Like, what, what kind of defense did he have? Would you say he was somebody who slip punches? Would you say he's somebody who did the classic high guard like Nick Diaz? Did he comb the hair like Colin Oyama style? What did he do? He didn't do any of those things. He just lowered his head and hoped the punches would bounce off the top of his head and they just start throwing. The only type of defense I could think of that he was known for is takedown defense with that piston core. He had that college wrestling experience where he could just sprawl on you and then get back up. That's the only defense I think of when I hear Chuck Liddell. But as far as striking defense, well, it was all like, hey, if you get into a striking match with Chuck, you might hit him or hurt him, but eventually he'll hurt you more. But that's the case of diminishing returns where over time, like that bill is going to come due and you're going to have to pay it with a knockout loss. Yeah. When he fought Murillo Bustamante, I thought he lost that fight. I thought so too. Murillo was boxing him up. And even Vitor Belfort, I thought, was boxing him up. And I think Chuck had like 10 inches on him on reach. And it was only at the final flurry where he knocked Vitor down that I think he sealed that round. And then he got a, I don't know, a split decision or unanimous decision. I don't know. But I thought Vitor was winning that fight until that point. But even there, his defensive flaws were being shown. It's just that his chin was so strong and he was fighting people that, wasn't a Rumble Johnson that could put him away. Because I think somebody like Rumble Johnson could have put Chuck on his ass or knocked him out even in Chuck's Ironhead days. And I think the same thing actually with Rampage. Rampage was a fighter who hit so hard that even in Chuck's heyday, Rampage could knock him out. 
and Rampage did. I think Rampage is the one that fucked up that chin forever. I think Rampage broke it. I mean, he hit him so hard and just knocked him out. And the way his head spun, yeah, I think Rampage was definitely one of the one of the guys who put the stamp on it. I mean, but also Chuck had sparred so much and been hit so many times. Like Guy Mesger dropped him, Alistair Overeem dropped him. So he had taken a lot of damage up to that point anyway. You talked about this previously, but it's probably a cognition bias. This has worked. It's always worked. Why should I change now? And I think it's also habits. It's his programming. Old habits are hard to break. Just like Daniel Cormier has gotten in trouble for the way he just leans to one side all the time. And he still does it, even though he's aware that he does it. And he said he's not going to do it anymore. He still ends up doing it. And I think with Chuck, I would be curious if we were to hear an interview with Antonio McKee, if Antonio McKee would say he went out there and he did everything that we didn't talk about. (laughs) The game plan was to go out there, keep your hands up, move, slip, all this stuff. And he didn't do any of that, you know, because sometimes you have older fighters who work with a new camp and you hear them after the fact say that, that we try to get them to do all this other stuff and they didn't do any of it. That actually makes me nervous because I remember BJ Penn said in preparation for his match against Ryan Hall, he's training with Aldo and Henan Barrao back in Nova Uniao. But the last time he was there, he did that weird tippy-toe stance and he got taken down mercilessly. I hope he has better results, but that would go against empirical evidence pointing otherwise. Actually, talking about BJ and he has the Jason Perillo connection. After that third fight where Perillo was in BJ's corner and BJ looked awful, Perillo got shit on by a lot of people. Like, why did you have him go out there with that game plan? And Perillo was like, that wasn't my game plan. First of all, I came in later in the training camp towards the end. And secondly, I told him to do all these other stuff and he didn't do any of it. (laughs) And I never told him to stand upright like that. That's all him. Who knows what Antonio McKee wanted for Chuck? Maybe Chuck went out and executed exactly the way it was supposed to be. Probably for McKee, Chuck was the biggest fighter he's ever cornered. So maybe Chuck was the boss instead of Antonio McKee being the boss. And Antonio just kind of placated to whatever Chuck wanted. But I wouldn't be that surprised if Antonio McKee said the whole game plan went out the window and Chuck did whatever he wanted. That sounds the most realistic of scenarios. Yeah, because I can't imagine a trainer telling Chuck to go out there with his hands down and just rely on your chin to block and then counter. Not only that, but his son doesn't fight that way. Antonio didn't fight that way. So it would be counterproductive to say, all right, Chuck, you're going to go out there and wing it. Aaron Pico too. Yeah. So will we see Chuck again? Yes. We will see Chuck again, hopefully in the crowd, with the Jumbotron saying UFC Hall of Famer and nothing more. Let's cross our fingers. 